Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring Kirk McElhern, the Macworld iTunes guy, and Jeff Carlson from Tidbits and Take Control Books. All this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have our favorite iTunes guy from Macworld. In fact, the one and only iTunes guy. He's none other than Kirk McElhern, who is speaking to us from his palatial estate. No longer in the French Alps or anything like that, but in England. It's a palatial barn. It's important to note. It's a lovely converted barn. Yep. I've seen pictures. It's a beautiful place. If I could rent a place like that and get my normal services and be able to get to a shopping mall, you know, with a drive of maybe four or five minutes, I'd do it in a heartbeat. No, not four or five minutes. It's about 15 minutes to get to Stratford-upon-Avon, which is the biggest town nearby. The shopping stuff is on sort of the other side of the town. So it's about 20-minute drive. We can get to supermarkets a little bit quicker than that. We've got a small supermarket five minutes away. But for larger stores, it's 15, 20 minutes. All the supermarkets here deliver. So we can order online. They even deliver on Sundays. For, for when we want to do a big shop, we just order online rather than bother to go to a supermarket. That's lazy. Seriously speaking, though, do you pay through the nose to get your groceries delivered? I'm thinking in terms of the fact that, you know, nowadays here in the States, we'll go to a Walmart or something or a Target and get discount groceries. Is there the equivalent in the UK? Well, you're talking about buying in bulk, aren't you? No. Okay. Walmart, you don't buy in bulk. You buy your standard week's groceries. You're talking about like a Costco or a Sam's Club. Yeah. No, I haven't seen that yet. But the supermarket industry here is very, very, very competitive, and they're always price matching each other. So the the prices are. You go to one supermarket, the things you buy are going to be roughly the same price. There are going to be certain things that are more, certain things that are less. But there's not a huge difference. There are a couple of real discount chains that sell cheaper stuff for a lower price, but, you know, stuff that's not as good. As far as delivery is concerned, generally, if you order 50 or 60 pounds, it's free. Less than that, I think one chain we ordered from, it cost a pound for the delivery. And it also depends on what time of day you choose. So there are particular times, you know, end of the day, early morning, when it's going to cost a little more because there's more demand. Um, But one chain is delivery is free, 50 pounds or more. And in fact, they send you these coupons all the time. So the last one, we ordered about 75 pounds of groceries and got 20 pounds off. So while the individual prices aren't discounted, they're very, very competitive in terms of giving you discounts to get you to the store, whether it be in the physical store or the online store. Is there a direct Walmart equivalent or is there a Walmart near you? Um, Walmart owns a chain called Asda, A-S-D-A. And it's not exactly the same. It's more groceries. It sells some things other than groceries, but Walmart is really a sort of everything store, and as does mostly a grocery store. We've got one nearby. I don't like that kind of store myself. It's the kind of store where, in order to save money, the aisles are smaller, there's less room to move around. You feel cramped inside stores like that. Well, Walmart seems to be normally sized here. So it might just be the chain they bought. There is a Walmart neighborhood market, but that's not the argument we're going to go into here. You know, I just want to get a sense of, of living out there in the sticks. 
Yeah. Well, one th- one thing that we do, my my partner does this a lot. She'll go to the supermarket at six or seven o'clock when they're marking down stuff, things that are in the last day or the next to last day of the sell by date, and she'll pick up meat that's three or four pounds for less than a pound. She'll come home with fifty pounds worth of groceries that cost ten pounds because it's marked down at the end of the day. Okay, so smart shopping you do pretty well. You're not overpaying. It's interesting here that even though we have a more congested population, you don't have much grocery delivery. I know Amazon is experimenting with that in a few parts of the country, but it's not coming. Let's talk about complexities here. I'm writing an article about this, and maybe we can talk about it further. And that is internet performance, broadband performance. Now, We've talked about the fact that you have to have satellite internet to get decent performance, but you also keep a slower DSL-related account for day-to-day use, right? Well, to have something that's quicker, because while the the satellite has um, higher bandwidth, it's got a very, very long latency, which means that when you load a web page, it takes almost a second for it to start loading. So... The DSL is useful for certain things. Um, the DSL has no bandwidth limit, so I can download all I want day or night. And it's just in case the satellite goes down. I mean, I needed a landline as well. And you get the landline and the DSL in a package. And since I got it from the same company, I have my cell phone contract. I got five pounds off a month. So it just makes sense to have the DSL as well. Ultimately, they're going to have a faster connection. This is what you've been telling me. Well, that's what we hope, but we don't know when. Okay, so here I'm using CenturyLink, okay? I negotiated a special price with them, $41 a month. Now, for $41 a month, I get 40 megabit downloads, 20 megabit uploads. That's pretty good. Wow, that's good. And the download speed actually comes closer to 50 because they have a pretty clean connection. Right. I also get a static IP number, which Mm -hmm. means nothing to most of you. So for the most part, I get really good speeds. And then, say, two and a half weeks ago, three weeks by the time you listeners hear this show, I'm suddenly getting 50K downloads from my web server. That's like dial-up, okay? Imagine a dial-up connection. So I call CenturyLink. CenturyLink says, there's no problem. You're getting full performance. They give me the speed tests and everything. And they're right, except for my web server. Mm. So where is the problem? I contact the data center and they say, there is no problem. You're getting multiple gigabit performance. I'm on a gigabit switch. Stay of the art web server with solid state drives. Where is the problem? Back and forth, back and forth. The problem we trace to congestion yeah. at the peering point with CenturyLink and a third-party backbone provider called Cogen. Now, what does peering mean? Peering means, in the internet, one network talks to another network to transfer web traffic. So CenturyLink is talking to Cogent to exchange data. At that point, there is congestion on CenturyLink's part, which means they're not giving enough capacity for full performance. So if they're connection is congested, it means performance slows down severely. But it doesn't happen everywhere. It only happens at some connection points. Are you with me so far? I'm trying to be I as am. clear as possible because I don't want no, no, to... I, I, I am, and, and 
after you finished explaining it, I'll tell you that I have heard of Cogent before for that very reason. Oh, that's interesting. I've been in touch with Cogent. I'll tell you why in a moment. And they say here is the ticket number that they've established for CenturyLink for CenturyLink to fix this problem. Now, if I call CenturyLink, they say, we don't know of anything like that. We never heard of anything like that. It's not our problem that you're having this performance. I can give them very complicated measurements to show where the bottleneck is. And I won't explain to everyone what that is. This is really, really geeky stuff. But the practical thing is miserable download performance. And I wrote a letter to the president of CenturyLink demanding action. Not that I think he's going to read that letter because CenturyLink is a company that has millions and millions of customers. The guy's name, by the way, is Glenn Post. He's the CEO of CenturyLink. He's been with that company for 37 years or something. He's a lifer. You know, he started out as some kind of low-level vice president. He's now CEO of CenturyLink. So I wrote to him, and we're going to see what happens. We'll have more about this in a moment. Kirk McElhern is the iTunes guy. We're talking about a weird internet performance problem and lots more. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic anytime. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. 
General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for under $30,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet under $30,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Take delivery in spring. 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more, about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. So, folks, you understand the problem here. 40 megabit download, actually getting 50 from my home. Really good price. But getting to my web server, downloading files, it's like dial-up. Imagine a file that should take minutes to come to my Mac, taking 50 minutes an hour. You had some insight, though, on the issue involving the connection point Cogent. With Cogent, yeah. Um, I heard about Cogent back in 2012 when I was still in France. My ISP was a company called Free, F-R-E-E, and I could not watch YouTube videos on Free. And it turned out that after doing a bunch of research, I discovered that there was, how should one say, a disagreement between Cogent and Free and also with the, the, the French sort of backbone network to the point that Cogent was just throttling everything that was coming from YouTube. While you took the break, I did a quick Google search, and I found some articles from December 2012 talking about this. I don't know if this ever resolved, because I left France a year ago, and obviously in the UK I haven't had that same problem. But Cogent apparently is a company that does an awful lot of traffic shaping, which means basically they throttle the people that they want to throttle because they think these people are taking too much content using too much bandwidth. Okay, so the point of view you're taking here is that it's Cochin's fault. Now, this is interesting here. If you call Cochin, and I've talked to Cochin, and I have a letter from them, they say it is not us in this particular case. And as I said, they actually have a ticket number 
with CenturyLink addressing this issue. But I agree with you, it does look like it's being throttled somewhere. It's definitely being throttled somewhere. The question is where the fact that Cogent has already been implicated in this sort of stuff makes me think that they're the ones, again, who are doing this. Does the ISP have the ability to reroute traffic to a different peering No, service? they don't. They okay. don't. They don't get that choice. Um, it, actually, the choice comes when something hits the backbone and it goes... So when it goes from, let's say, Netflix's servers out to the backbone, it's where it goes after that. And all of these different companies basically get to decide what they do. It's, I'm not sure who can resolve this. You know, there's been talk about net neutrality, and the point is that no one should have to pay more for internet traffic. All internet traffic should be equal. Now, to be fair, if things like YouTube and Netflix are using so much internet traffic, I don't agree that it should be equal and it shouldn't be paid more. But what some of these companies like Cogent are doing now is basically just throttling rather than trying to find a better solution. There, there have got to be better um, distributed solutions and peer-to-peer solutions that these companies can develop. But I have a feeling that the use of video on the internet has grown much more quickly than the sort of back-end networking traffic management ideas that we could have. Now, let's emphasize this for a moment here. I am not trying to get YouTube files. I'm not trying no, to get video course. files. I'm just trying to get a, an audio file of about 100 megabytes. Right. Now, that's what, interesting. I wonder if I downloaded a smaller file, I was going to say there would you, be a difference. And I'm going to do possible. that. I'm going to test that out. Okay, but here's the thing. I did have a rather lengthy conversation with the coach in person. He blamed it on net neutrality in part because of this. If you remember, the United States, the FCC, had a ruling about net neutrality, enforcing it. That was in part overturned by a court ruling, saying that basically the FCC went about it the wrong way. Cogent is claiming that as a result, ISPs are playing fast and loose. That's their claim. They're playing fast and loose with the internet traffic, figuring they can get away with it. But how are they playing fast and loose? They're only requesting the traffic their users are requesting. They're not requesting it in a different way. Um, It's not the ISP that determines the path that the traffic takes. It's everything that comes from the server so it gets to a backbone, and then there's a sort of a system that determines what the – not necessarily the, the quickest or most direct path is, which is interesting. You could be – we could – we're talking right now between England and the States, and the shortest route seems to be across the Atlantic. But my voice might be going through China, Australia, um, and Hawaii before it gets to you instead of going the other way because – the routers determine that given the current traffic, that's the best way to go. So it's not the, it's not the quickest in, in time on an absolute level. It's not the fastest at a given time. It's like when you have five routes to, to drive in your car, you, Google Maps tells you the one where there's the least traffic, that sort of thing. Just as we speak, I'm testing a much smaller sound file. 60 megabytes and 
No difference. I would try just one or two megabytes first. I think the problem is once they see how much data is coming, what you need to do is is do a test and you want to record your data as as soon as you start the file. You want to see if it starts at a very high level and then suddenly goes down. No, it basically goes down almost immediately. Okay. But there's a point at which it's going to measure the size of the file. I'm not sure that it can measure the size of the file. I don't think that your requests um, that between your browser and the server, I don't think anything discusses the file size. Uh, it's asking for a file name, and that file name comes like a stream. I don't think anything asks or tells that it's a given file. That seems to be an awful lot of overhead for me. Well, I'm looking over an FTP transfer here. Yeah. I'm observing. That's what I'm doing. I, I did the test right now with a 13 megabyte file, which is just a copy of an audio application. And it's the same thing. Do you get the same speed when you download from a web browser? Yes. Okay. I think it's just simply that they've decided that between this server and this endpoint, um, which could actually be, it might not be the server, it could be between whatever the backbone is between your server and Cogent. Remember, um, it's going from your server to someplace to someplace to Cogent to someplace to someplace to you. I have the full path. Okay, there's a, I have the full path. I right. know, you, you I know where route. it's going. You can see how it goes. Yeah, we know exactly where it's going. The, the data center has tested it to the point at which it leaves their center and goes on to the outer internet, and it goes right to Cogent. And from Cogent, it goes to CenturyLink. And from CenturyLink, it is throttled and comes to me. Okay, so the long and short of it, ladies and gentlemen, is you see... Imagine now you have to call your ISP and tell them what I just told you in the last segment and a half. And it's hard to explain this in a way that normal people understand because we're dealing with stuff about Internet backbones and peering and stuff like that. But we're talking about, in the end, traffic being throttled somewhere along the chain so you don't get what you're paying for. More to come. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com.
We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. Yeah? Did you want to see me, sir? Well, I did, but now that I do, I'm not so sure. Sir? Johnson, I got a mission for you that could change your life. Oh, good, sir. It involves traveling halfway around the world without so much as half a clue of where you're going or what you're going to do when you get there. Situation normal, sir? Uh-huh. Well, I'll be leading this mission, Johnson, so I'll be telling you what to do. You, sir? That's right, Johnson, and I say first things first. Oh, good plan, sir. And what I say is first is food. Always remember that, Johnson. Food is a big deal. Sir, my brother-in-law can guess a really good deal on some surplus MREs. Johnson, if you've got half a brain and that empty head of yours, you'll Call the freeze-dry guy like I did. That food is better for you, it rehydrates faster, and it's good, Johnson. And it keeps for up to 30 years. Will we be gone that long, sir? I hope not. Now get your supplies organized and meet me down to the pier at dawn on Sunday. We sail at sunrise. Yes, sir. This adventure is brought to you by the freeze-dry guy. Call 866-404-3663 or visit freezedryguy.com. For years, you've been hearing about Herbal Healer Academy and how it's remained the leader in effective, alternative, and natural medicine and education. But how can they continue to hold that title for years on end? The answer is high quality and huge selection. Just visit HerbalHealer.com and shop online or request a free catalog. You're bound to find the alternative you're looking for. Did you know that Herbal Healer carries the latest, safest, and effective weight loss products? You can also count on Herbal Healer for the largest selection of safe and natural supplements just for children. And don't forget your pets. Herbal Healer even has natural mineral supplements for all your animals, including horses, cows, and birds. Take a peek at their online calendar, and you're sure to find everything you need and maybe something you didn't realize you needed. Visit HerbalHealer.com and don't forget to sign up for the free Herbal Healer newsletter. HerbalHealer.com, working with the power of nature. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. On the Tech Night Out Live, Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy, but also he gets down and dirty into weird problems like my internet download problem for my web server. So, is there a solution? Well, CenturyLink, their problem is explaining it to them in a way they understand. Now, I've sent them all sorts of technical reports to show where the bottleneck is. I could Yeah, what what you need to do now is so while we've been talking, I've been sending um you links over Skype to articles that talk about cogent and the sort of throttling they've been doing. So what you need to do is you need to send some of them to your ISP. 
Well, if it's Cogent's fault, they don't care. They'll say it's not our problem because it's outside of our network. Cogent says it's the ISP's fault. Cogent says the ISP is not giving them enough capacity to the traffic that they need to send through. And they have a ticket number that they've given me. Okay. Where they say, this is a ticket number for CenturyLink, which shows this problem. But you understand, ladies and gentlemen, you call your ISP. Your ISP will do a normal speed test. Okay? That speed test will show you're getting exactly what you're paying for or something close to what your ISP advertises. So they'll say, that's all we can do. If you're getting slow performance, you know, go to the source. You know, wherever you're downloading that file yeah, from and contact if you, them. If you give them a link to download the file and it's slow for them, they'll say, well, maybe the server's slow. Exactly. So it's hard to prove to them that the slowdown isn't at the actual server point. Well, you can. There are tests that show this. There, there are ways that you can have another computer download a file and get the results. There are also um, tests. There's a test called MTR, ladies and gentlemen, which is a combination of trace route, which shows the way the path of the file takes to get to the server and back to my location, and a ping test which shows the efficiency of the file retrieval process. You see how complicated it is. Yeah, but MTR doesn't show what happens when there's actual data being moved. Uh, any server is going to respond quickly to a ping. The throttling occurs once the data starts coming. It, it's like it's like there's a there's a ceiling on the amount of data that can come. A ping is basically a byte of data that you send that gets acknowledged from a server. So that's not going to hit the ceiling. What happens is you've got a certain amount of data, and once it gets to whatever ceiling they've set, that's what slows down. And we've got to measure that and show where it is and prove it. Let's yeah. not try to explain that here. But No, it gets complicated. It really does. Yeah. I'd rather talk about mono. Let's talk about mono. Okay, we're not talking not about a disease here. Let me explain something to everybody here, because if you're not a baby boomer, if you weren't born in the 40s, 50s, and maybe grew up in the 60s or something, you may wonder, what is mono? Well, before there was stereo, we had everything piped through one channel, okay? And in the early days of stereo, what they did is, like they tried to do originally with 3D movies. In 3D movies, you have these ping-pong effects where... Objects pop out at you, eyeballs and stuff, and swords and everything. With stereo, they had bongo drums or something popping back and forth between channels. They had special demo records to show stereo, not as authentic reproductions of music with the added dimensionality, but special effects. Oh, we've got the bongos in the left channel and the right channel and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But a lot of the best recordings were made in mono. The Beatles were first recorded in mono, a lot of the famous rock songs. But what they did is they recorded them in mono, but because people were getting stereo, they simply remixed it to split up the various elements of the recording. This is kind of like they do nowadays with 3D movies, where they shoot it in 2D and they do post-production to make it 3D. What happens here is we're in the sort of transitional period between 78s and stereo LPs. Okay, we're talking Um, here about the 60s, the 50s, that kind of thing. 1950s, roughly. So you had 78s. It had about three minutes on a side. It was very short, and it was a different production process. Once you moved into the LP and you were looking at 20-minute sides, 
stereo was invented in the late 19th century, but it was only it only came into common use um, in the 50s. So stereo started being used sometime in the mid 50s, but in in a very sort of minimal fashion. People who had stereos were were a sort of audiophile elite of the time. It wasn't very common to have a hi-fi system with two speakers. It was more common to have one of those sort of pieces of furniture where the top would flip open, you'd have a turntable inside, and you'd have a big speaker below it. So what was going on in this transitional period before stereo became the norm is that engineers were recording in multi-track, often three-track, um, sometimes four as much as eight-track. But they, when they were doing the final mix of an album, they were doing the mix in mono. And when you're doing a mix, you're mixing the music to have a certain sound. You want to get a certain approach. You want the instruments to sound a certain way. You want a difference of volumes between the instruments. And they were doing this for the mono recordings. And what generally happened is they'd spend, there was a story of an engineer who talked about the Beatles. I think it was Sergeant Pepper. They spent three weeks on the mono mix and they spent two days on the stereo mix. So the stereo mix was an afterthought. It was often designed to be a gimmick. If you listen to the early Beatles songs, you'll have sometimes the voice on one side, the guitars on the left and the drums in the middle. So we've got this period when the craftsmen who were the engineers who were doing these mixes were mixing for mono and the stereo just sometimes sounds wrong. So if you go back and listen to the original mono mixes, sometimes you come up with some extraordinary music with sounds that you really wouldn't expect. You have to think about, for example, you have the Beatles standing up there with their guitars. You have Ringo in the rear with his drum kit. Now, if you split the voices and put the voices on the left and the guitars on the right, it's like having them play their instruments while on their sides. <laughs> and they're lying down in bed playing their guitars, but they're playing it very low. They're holding their instruments very low around their yeah. legs. Around their knees, yeah. Around their knees, and you're capturing that in one channel. You're capturing their voices in the other channel. Meantime, Ringo's in good shape because he's back there, and he's always in the center. This is what they did with the early stereo mixes. It was gimmicky. This is what I was saying before. The thing about stereo, early stereo, is to show that there were really two channels, you had to exaggerate the differences. It yeah. wasn't like providing a dimensionality to the music to provide a wider sound stage. It was to create a special effect. So you said, oh, that's stereo. I got the voices here, and I've got the guitars here. And it doesn't matter if the Beatles are lying in bed doing their music. Yeah. And it's not to say that all stereo mixes are necessarily bad, but it's simply that this isn't what the, the, the engineers spent most of their time on. They crafted the mono mixes and the stereo mixes came afterwards. It's not like the mono mixes are – there's a term called a fold-down when you take a stereo mix and you just combine the two tracks to make mono. This isn't what they were. Um, the mono mixes were different products. In, in, with the Beatles, which is a kind of an edge case – um, some of their mono mixes are even different takes from the stereo mixes. And there are websites that list the details of all the Beatles songs and which are different. Um, so I wrote an article, and the reason you're talking about this is I've got an article on my website, which was originally in um, Jill Remp Jim Dalrymple's magazine, The Loop magazine, um, called In Praise of Mono Recordings, where I I've become somewhat infatuated by this over the past few years. And 
this is basically fueled by three box sets that um, were released. The first one was the Beatles in mono. It's maybe about four or five years ago. Um, the second one was Bob Dylan's early mono recordings. And the third was this year's release of um, the first nine Columbia recordings that Miles Davis made. And listening to the quality of these mono recordings just made me rethink mono. I always thought that mono was inferior and stereo was better. But I've grown to appreciate mono recordings now because of the craft that's involved. Let's do the break. Okay. We're going to talk more about the craft that's involved in mono recordings with Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. From the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Time and time again. You need to come here and help us. We need assistance. Please. Those we should be able to depend on let us down. Federal and state and local officials saying help is on the way. Will the folks here in Bell Harbor say show me? Don't depend on the government to save you. Take action now so that you're prepared for the next disaster with MyPatriotSupply.com. Get the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more at MyPatriotSupply.com. Call 866-229-0927. We are hurting down here, and we need help immediately. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. It's time for a home security quiz. What effective home security device is smaller than a coffee cup, fakes out burglars into thinking someone is home at your house while you're away, plugs into any wall outlet, is recommended by many police departments, and sells for less than $30? Yes, it's fake TV. This year, about one in every 50 U.S. homes will have a break-in, with burglars usually picking the easy target, a dark house that looks like no one is home. Fake TV is a small electronic security device that makes it look like someone is home watching TV by simulating the light from a real TV. Fake TV could be the difference between coming home to a secure house or one that's been ransacked. 
To get your fake TV for only $29.95 with free shipping, go to faketv.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. That's 877-532-5388 or go to faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. Hi, Dr. Hurley here to give you information you may not want to hear. Approximately 70,000 chemicals are currently used and released into the environment in the United States each year, and 30 million kilograms of these toxic chemicals are known to cause cancer. And now the good news. Longevity's five-day cleansing program can drastically reduce the toxins in your body. For more information about the five-day cleanse, visit drhurley.net or call 855-315-8326. That's 855-315-8326. Hi, Dr. Lorraine Hurley here. Would you wait till you're dying of thirst before digging a well? Well, why wait until you're sick before getting the nutrients you need? Longevity's Healthy Start Pack has all the essential nutrients your body needs. The 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, and 2 fatty acids just aren't available in most people's diets. Your body needs these nutrients, and the Healthy Pack 2.0 has them all covered. Get your Healthy Body Pack by calling 855-315-8326. That's 855-315-8326. Or visit drhurley.net today. you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. Isn't it nice that we segued from attacking Cogent and CenturyLink and peering network traffic to Mono? The joys of mono. Let me just mention one thing here. There are times also where a stereo version of a recording is very difficult, even when done properly, because of the artist and his choices. Like, for example, the Beach Boys. Now, Brian Wilson, he was also producer, main songwriter, and everything. Brian Wilson is deaf in one ear. Mm. So making stereo was impossible. Yep. He couldn't hear it. No. So I just want to give you a couple of examples of differences. I mentioned earlier about the Beatles. Um, you'll have the voices sometimes on the right, the guitars on the left. And this is for most of the Beatles' albums. Because remember, the Beatles' last album was 1970. Mono actually existed through the 70s until finally uh, record companies stopped sending mono records to radio stations. Because remember, AM has always been mono. Record companies would do mono fold-downs so basically combine the stereo tracks after they were no longer releasing mono albums until around 76. But uh, I'm going to mention two songs where you can hear some very important differences between the mono and the stereo mixes. Um, both of them are for Bob D- from Bob Dylan's album Highway 61 Revisited. Two of my favorite songs of Bob Dylan are Like a Rolling Stone and Desolation Row. Now, Like a Rolling Stone has this wonderful organ riff that Al Cooper played that he just totally improvised. In fact, he wasn't really an organ player when he went into the studio to do this. And this actually sounds better on stereo on one side because it makes sense for the organ to be on the side. But when you listen to Desolation Row, it starts with a single acoustic guitar playing chords, and then there's an acoustic guitar picking a solo. And that solo comes out on the right channel, and it's quite loud compared to Dylan's voice in the stereo mix. In the mono mix, that solo is behind Dylan's voice, and it doesn't try and put itself on the same sort of sound stage. and Dylan's voice is much more centered in that case. 
it's more a representation of what you might actually see in a concert, where the keyboard player is somewhere in the background, but Dylan's front and center. And remember, most of these singers don't have loud voices, so they have to be emphasized with proper mixing and special effects. Well, mentioning the, the concert is interesting because if you want to actually hear stereo, you know, it's funny you, you brought this up because I was working on an article today about listening to music in stereo um, because a lot of people don't listen to music in stereo and they don't realize it. You get one of these iPod docks. It's got left and right speakers, but they're too close together for you to hear the stereo separation. If you're in a concert hall and you're not that close to the stage, you're hearing mono. If the angle of the speakers isn't far enough apart, you're not hearing true stereo separation. Uh, if you're listening at home and your speakers aren't angled enough to either side, you're not really hearing the stereo. You're hearing a mono or you're hearing a sort of a hybrid. Uh, imagine you've got two speakers a foot apart and you're sitting four feet away from them. You'll hear the things coming from the different channels, but they won't be separate because the speakers aren't far enough apart. So it's a subtle effect as opposed to a drastic effect. Yeah, well, stereo is something that's actually kind of hard to listen to. I mean, it's hard to get it set up to listen to. I'm sitting at my desk, and, and I'll have an article in the next couple of days or before the show's on, uh, and I'll have a photo of where my speakers are set up on my desk, and they are to the right and to the left of my head. So I'm definitely listening to stereo. But if you're sitting in a living room, let's say your speakers are right next to your TV, and let's say you're six feet away, it's, you're not going to hear much separation except unless something is really just on one channel, like a gunshot or something like that. You won't notice the difference. But mono, when it's a mono mix and you actually – you can listen to it in mono. There, there are some audiophiles who like mono so much they have a separate mono setup. So an amplifier, a one-channel mono amplifier with a single speaker. And when you listen to mono like that on one speaker and not on headphones – to me, it radiates outward, whereas the stereo is always trying to radiate itself inward towards your ears. The mono for me is like it's like a star radiating in all directions from in front of you. And to me, for something that was mixed in mono, I find that the sound is much superior. Fascinating. So let's not give up on mono because we're hearing mono far more often than we expect. I kind of expect also in a car. It's difficult to hear a really good stereo spread unless it's exaggerated. Part of the reason is you go into a car and maybe they have five speakers, six speakers, eight or nine speakers in a very small space. And you're sitting at one side of the car. Well, that's the problem. It's not the size of the space. It's that you're not in the center. That's right. You can't get stereo correct. That's right. So I expect that what they're probably doing in cars is they're exaggerating effects, being aware of how people listen, the unique fashion. Maybe the person who sits in the center in the rear seat gets a better presentation, but they I do, assume yeah. it's exaggerated to sound good from the right seat or the left seat. Well, it wouldn't be, would it? Because if you're in the right seat, you hear it a certain way, you move to the left, it's not like you're hearing it like it's all coming from the right. I've never been in a car where it sounds good where it sounds on either side like you're in the right position. Um, it's in the middle and the back that you're in the right position. If anything, car stereos should be in mono. They should do a fold down. Um, so if you're in the left and the front, you've got a tweeter right in front of you that's, let's say, three feet from your head, and the one on the right side is six feet from your head. So 
it's not only taking twice as much time to get to you, but it's softer in volume. So you're, you're just, you can't get any balance in a car. You can't. Now, what they do is they engage in all sorts of acoustical mumbo-jumbo that try to simulate a better quality sound in the car. It depends how many speakers you have, the quality of the electronics. It's not just a standard stereo amplifier putting out a signal and distributing it to different speakers. It's more complicated than that, and they are making an effort to deliver a credible sound. Yeah, they are, and and they have different sort of time delays on the different speakers, so it sounds correct from the front seat. Um, your, your rear speakers are further back than the front are further away from you than the front speakers are. So you don't want them to sound like it's too, like they're coming in too late. Um, it's a subtle thing. And of course, if you buy an aftermarket stereo and install it in your car, it's probably not going to sound as good as something that was designed to fit in your car originally because of the, the spaces that, that are involved. I would assume that the third-party audio manufacturers who make those aftermarket systems like Pioneer and Kenwood, I would presume they do some kind of noise shaping technology they, to provide a rough a rough profile for different models. If they're not, they're cheating you. I, I've never seen a car. I haven't bought a car stereo. I've never bought a car stereo, but I've never noticed that they come in different versions for different models of cars. No, but they might require, they might have different shaping technologies that allow them to fine-tune it. Or, as you say, they might just be choosing a rough profile and they're trying to get away with it. Because every car is going to be different. There are so many variations in designs that you really have to go into the car and listen. But I think for most people, if you have a reasonably new car and you buy the premium sound system, you're going to get something that's at least decent. Yeah, I you know, I would never recommend that anyone spend a lot of money on a car stereo because the amount of noise in a car means that no matter what it is, you're just not going to hear it very well unless you sit in a parked car and listen to your music uh, an awful lot, which maybe some people do. Okay, but- that's maybe part of it right there. Also, some car makers, I know Honda does this with their high-level accords, they include a feedback signal, like a white noise signal to reduce the noise from the road and from the wind. Mm, and therefore, okay. okay. And therefore, create a more controlled environment for the output from the loudspeakers. Okay, that's interesting, yeah. And look at the specs for Honda, you'll see this. I have a Kia, so I have their Infinity system, which is from Harman, Harman International, the Infinity division. Sounds really good, but with cars, it's almost always the bass is a little bit too thumpy. Yep. And the treble's a little bit exaggerated. And when you get the car, they always turn everything so it's even more exaggerated. So you got to kind of tailor things in a way that it's better, less drastic. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny um, that you mentioned this. Yesterday, I was at a classical recording session. Someone I know runs a small record label here, and he invited me to come sit in on a recording session. Let's and- talk about that recording session involving classical music. And with a lot of instruments, that's got to be fun to lay down. We have Kirk Malcolm, the iTunes guy. He also loves to talk about geeky stuff like broadband connections, the joys of mono, car stereos, music, a lot more to come on the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> 
nation's largest independently owned and operated talk radio network, the Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Does advertising on the Genesis Communications radio network actually bring positive results? Let's ask Thomas Baldrick from Free Strike Guy. Thomas, talk about customer service at GCN. GCN is extraordinary in how they take care of their customers. The bottom line, Freeze Dry Guy keeps advertising on GCN because it works. If you'd like to experience unbelievable customer service, call Lee Wickenhauser at 877-996-4327, extension 107. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just 19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. On the Tech Night Owl Live, Kirk McElhern went to a classical music recording session. It was in a church. It was in a church. Wow. Yeah, that's see. This is this is the real thing. A studio is obviously much different than when you're doing something on location. It was in King's College Chapel in Cambridge in the UK, which is a very it's the the word chapel doesn't do justice. It's almost the size of a cathedral. It's an extraordinary building, and it was the King's College choir being recorded. So it was 32 voices of boys and young men, I guess, from about seven or eight up till 18 ish, 20. There are an awful lot of interesting things here that I'll be writing about in the future, but I think the most interesting was to see how intricate it is to place all the microphones you need to record something like this. And this was being recorded for surround sound, um, for an SACD and 5.1 sound. It used They used 24 mics, and these are all mono mics, of course, at five, six different locations. So there were some in front of the singers who were sitting in a sort of a arc, um, there were some a little bit further back, higher up. There were two even further back, very high up. And then there were a whole bunch more speakers well behind the singers because the organ was above them and behind them, and they needed to get the organ sound in the other end of the church. 
Now imagine what it would have been with a full orchestra. You've got to have an awful lot more microphones. You know, you can record something like this with a single stereo mic and you'll get a sound. But what you get with all these microphones is the ability to tweak each and every one of them at any point in the editing process because one part of the singers is a little bit too loud. You want to just pull it down a half a decibel and raise up something else and a soloist you want to focus on. It's a very intricate process. And at the same time, it's almost improvised. It was two recording engineers with a PC in the vestry. It wasn't in some sort of, and these are people from Abbey Road Studios. It wasn't some sort of fancy recording truck or, or anything like this. So on the one hand, it's a very intricate process. And on the other hand, it's very simple. Once the, the music all comes into the computer that they were recording on, it's just two guys running the, the show. There's a lot more to that, to, to the process um, that we can talk about after I've written about it. Um, but what's interesting is the whole technological aspect. But basically here, by having multiple mics, every single element, placement, volume can be adjusted during the initial recording process in the fine-tuning and the mix-down. And also then they can shape each sound with equalization to provide a different effect. But in the end, is this intended to provide a natural representation of the original recording or an artificial representation of what the engineer or producer or the single person, if he or she is both, what they envision it should sound like. In other words, instead of just, as it used to be in the old days, reproducing what is played, they're creating a performance based on separate elements and manufacturing it during the mix process. Um, you can never actually reproduce the way it sounds, especially in something like a church. Um, in a recording studio, it's different. You've got soundproofed rooms and baffles and all that. You can isolate the drums so they don't spill over into the other tracks. Um, but here, it's in an environment with an extraordinary reverberation. Um, the, the roof is about eight stories high. So you've got about a half a second um, the reflection from the singers to the roof and back down is about a half a second. Um, the building is, I don't remember how many feet long it is, but it's quite long, and you've got easily a half a second in front, maybe three quarters of a second behind them. You can't reproduce the spatiality of that in any recording. You simply can't. This, is a, this will be a surround recording, um, and it will certainly sound as close as possible to the way this church sounded, but you can't reproduce it. You simply can't. So what, what they're doing is essentially capturing as much as they can and translating as much as they can to disc. So it's more like the spirit, not the substance. You get the sense of it, that well, you're in a large room with it's a, it's big a reflections, but you're reducing it down to what someone's going to listen to. I've listened to some other recordings that they've made in the same place. Um, you do get the sense of the reverb, even in stereo. But you can't replace, you know, your surround sound is all on one plane, basically. You've got your two front speakers, your middle speakers, your side speakers that are more or less at ear height. You can't replace all of the sounds that reflect from the walls, the ceiling, and the floor unless you put in another 60 speakers in a listening room. So basically, this is going to be a rough, simplified approximation to get the flavor, as I said, the flavor of what was going on. A large 
recording environment, huge reflections, that kind of thing with long delays, but still very, very highly simplified from the real experience. There's no way, as you say, to reproduce unless we all live in a church. I mean, as recording technology gets better, we can come closer to reproducing that, but still a rough approximation. Yeah, there there are things that some audiophiles buy that are called Hall synthesizers. And what they do is they process a stereo recording or or a multi-channel recording. They process it through a reverberation process. Um, so they go into a place, and, and in this particular church they've done this, they go into this place and they play spe- very specific sounds to be able to record the reverberation. And then they cancel out the original sounds and... There are ways of having these synthesizers apply the reverberation from specific concert halls. So you could listen to a recording of, say, a Beethoven symphony, and it'll sound like um, Carnegie Hall. And you flip a switch on your hall synthesizer, and it'll sound like the Concertgebouw in Amsterdam. And you flip another switch, and it sounds like the Berlin Philharmonics concert hall in Berlin. Um, all of these things are basically just playing with the reverberation and the the, the delay and the decay of the, the time that the music takes to hit the walls and come back to your ears. It's To me, that's going a bit far. Um, I think we have to allow a certain amount of sonic imagination that when you listen to the music, your brain fills in a lot of these gaps and the music still sounds fine, but there's absolutely no way you can reproduce something like that. Whereas you take a recording studio or a band, a rock band on a stage, you can reproduce a lot of that. You're still going to have the reverb that you can't get. You're still going to have the space of the place you're in. But once you start getting in a building like a church, which is hard and reflects a lot and is a big space, you simply can't replace it. And remember with a rock band, it's not just the four or five guys and gals standing up there playing. They've got the amplifiers. They've got a mixing console. They literally bring a recording studio with them, and they're doing things digitally to enhance the sound, to make it sound better in that particular environment. And very frankly, some stuff is pre-recorded. You know, sometimes, especially when an artist is doing a lot of dancing and you want to get the vocals just right, some of those vocals are pre-recorded, folks. You know about that. Yeah, I I think the most important thing about live concerts is, and we're talking about large enough bands to have staff. Take take a place like one of my favorite places where I attended concerts, where when I was young, is Madison Square Garden. You've got at some point in in the house, you've got someone with a soundboard, you've got a sound engineer who's listening to the sound live, who set it up during the sound check, so during rehearsal, and then who changes it once all the people come in because people absorb sound and who gets the sound to the way it should sound in that hall with all those people. So it's not just people plugging in their amps and their mics and singing and playing. It's a process that's actually created. The sound engineer is going to be changing this in every different venue where they play if it's a good band with a good sound engineer. I'll give you an example of the last really big concert I saw, which was a number of years ago, David Bowie, in concert in Arizona. My son Grayson and I went to see him. This was one of his final concerts, and it happened not long before he had his heart attack. He hasn't performed since. Now, I have to tell you here, I assume most of the singing was live. The sound quality was. was excellent. His voice was in great shape. Everything was done properly. You could hear everything, even though we had kind of a mid position. We didn't have the front seats that cost $500 a seat. 
We couldn't do that. We'll talk about more of this in a moment with Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hi, this is Gary Cooper with Midas Resources, Gold and Silver. Government shutdown, inept politicians, entitlements, looming Obamacare. The death of the U.S. dollar as a global reserve currency is what nobody wants to acknowledge. We have a debt bubble that cannot be paid and will eventually crash the dollar. If you're concerned about keeping your money, why not consider storing your wealth in gold and silver? Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. Together, we'll discuss your options of buying gold and silver. Again, the global elite have plans for your money, and it doesn't include you. So call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130, and we'll discuss your options of buying precious metals. Also, I can send you information on how you can roll over your IRA or 401k into a precious metal IRA. Again, don't get caught with money in your account when the dollar crashes. Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237. 37 extent to 130. Yeah? Did you want to see me, sir? Well, I did, but now that I do, I'm not so sure. Sir? Johnson, I got a mission for you that could change your life. Oh, good, sir. It involves traveling halfway around the world without so much as half a clue of where you're going or what you're going to do when you get there. Situation normal, sir? Uh-huh. Right, I'll be leading this mission, Johnson, so I'll be telling you what to do. You, sir? That's right, Johnson, and I say first things first. Oh, good plan, sir. And what I say is first is food. Always remember that, Johnson. Food is a big deal. Sir, my brother-in-law can give us a really good deal on some surplus MREs. Johnson, if you've got half a brain and that empty head of yours, you'll call the freeze-dry guy like I did. That food is better for you, it rehydrates faster, and it's good, Johnson. And it keeps for up to 30 years. Will we be gone that long, sir? I hope not. Now, get your supplies organized and meet me down to the pier at dawn on Sunday. We sail at sunrise. Yes, sir. This adventure is brought to you by the freeze-dry guy. Call 866-404-3663 or visit freezedryguy.com. For years, you've been hearing about Herbal Healer Academy and how it's remained the leader in effective, alternative, and natural medicine and education. But how can they continue to hold that title for years on end? The answer is high quality and huge selection. Just visit HerbalHealer.com and shop online or request a free catalog. You're bound to find the alternative you're looking for. Did you know that Herbal Healer carries the latest, safest, and effective weight loss products? You can also count on Herbal Healer for the largest selection of safe and natural supplements just for children. And don't forget your pets. 
Herbal Healer even has natural mineral supplements for all your animals, including horses, cows, and birds. Take a peek at their online calendar, and you're sure to find everything you need and maybe something you didn't realize you needed. Visit HerbalHealer.com, and don't forget to sign up for the free Herbal Healer newsletter. HerbalHealer.com, working with the power of nature. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. So this was... One of the concerts that I always look forward to, David Bowie doing all his best songs, all his hits, dancing and prancing around the stage. And the sound was great. And that's not always true with a lot of bands. I gather the Rolling Stones are very rough because, you know, they want to have that thing about a rock and roll band getting up there and being spontaneous and just playing. And even then, a lot of it's carefully rehearsed. And a lot of the movements from Mick Jagger are carefully rehearsed. And I like to see what he's taking to do what he does at his yeah. age. Yeah. And I should take it myself. But seriously speaking, we know here that that performance is very complicated, very expensive. It's not just like you see on TV where the band gets up there and they play and it sounds great. doesn't happen. We're talking a lot here, of course, about the musical presentation, about how they make it sound as if it's just happening with a recording or a live performance. There you go. Let's get on to some other topics before we let you go. Okay? Okay. You have a little article here called Streaming Silence and Scamming Spotify. Now, Spotify is <laughs> yeah. one of those radio station services where you create your own virtual radio station. You choose the music you want to listen to. You choose songs and albums on okay, Spotify. Okay, so Spotify is it's still one of the radio station thing where you choose your music and it plays it back. Okay. Right. But what is the scam about? Well, there's a band, a funk band from Michigan, that created an album that they call Sleepify, and it's got 10 songs of silence that are about 31 or 32 seconds long, because Spotify only pays artists if someone's listened to more than 30 seconds of a song. And what they've done is they've asked their fans to just play this over and over, particularly overnight when they're sleeping, so they'll get, every time one of these songs is played, they'll get money for it. And they're claiming that they are doing this to make money to go on tour. Now, my opinion is if you don't have enough money to go on tour and you've got to scam people to get the money, you should be doing something different. Um, I think what's going to happen is Spotify is going to have to crack down on this. Apparently, a lot of bands ask their fans to stream their music over and over so they make more money. Spotify is going to have to do something because, you know, it's like you, you've got ads on your website. It's like you sit on your website and click these ads all day long. It's the same kind of thing. It's a scam. It's dishonest. And I think it's pretty sad that a band would go to that sort of point. It's not like they're trying to prove anything. It's that they're really trying to scam Spotify. My guess is that since this has come out and Spotify knows about it, their music won't be on Spotify anymore, and they're not going to get paid for any of this. Would they not do better with crowdsource funding? Well, they might, but if the band needs to have people, you know, they get... I think it's seven-tenths of a penny for every stream. So you're talking an awful lot of streams to get even 100 or $500 here. Um, crowdsourcing might 
do something better. No one ever heard of this band before. Maybe they did it as a publicity stunt so people talk about them. Sure, but if you mess up your relationship with a place like Spotify, how do you make money? Yeah, and how do you come back in the future with real music on Spotify? If Spotify says, no, you've already cheated us. We don't want your music. It's it's a problem, but I think Spotify is going to have to do something to prevent this sort of thing, to prevent fans playing albums over and over just so their their bands make money. They're going to have to maybe limit the number of streams per day that they pay, you know, streams per day per user that they pay for or something like that. You know, I'm, I'm sure Google early when they started selling ads – um, quickly picked up on the fact that a lot of people running websites were having their friends click on their ad links or even were automating it running scripts. So they've certainly got systems that prevent people from getting paid for this. Spotify is going to have to do the same thing. Well, these services, of course, are being improved. They're learning more and more about the technology and how to deal with that technology to be realistic. Because in an ideal world, if an artist has more plays, they deserve more money. But they're scamming that Hmm. And you kind of wonder as you talk about that, you hear all these services that advertise, we'll get you number one placement on Google. Okay? Yeah. And if you get number one placement, you pay us. If you don't, we'll give you your money back. But I have to think here. If they represent, say, a thousand businesses, and some of those businesses are in the same category, how can each have a number one placement on Google unless yep. the pages were 12 miles long? Yeah, that, that's just a scam, too. And everyone knows that Google is constantly changing um, their algorithms. So what works today may not work in a week. So you can't sell that. There have got to be terms and conditions. I understand maybe going to a firm that says, we will help you optimize the presentation of your site so potentially it'll work better. But I kind of have this old-fashioned belief that if you have a good site, if you have good content... Exactly. If you get the word out through the social networks and people like what you do, you'll get traffic. If yeah. you scam it, eventually someone's going to come back and say, uh-uh, you can't do that. It's going to come back and bite you whenever you do something like that. Um, whether you call it karma or just getting your comeuppance, it's going to happen. One of the problems with, with SEO, search engine optimization, of the kind that's supposed to get you um, at the top of the page, is that if you do some of the tricks that these companies recommend, Google may actually unindex your site and no longer serve it up when people search. So th the result can be even worse than being unknown. Um, you just may become invisible. So the key here is anything you do should just be simple and common sense, and just make sure the word is out there and you do what you have to do. But as soon as you start playing these games with content and links, and they got stuff like no follow and do follow and follow follow, and I don't even want to explain what that means. But occasionally we get requests from people to advertise with us, and they want us to do certain scamming things with the links. But if we get caught doing that, Google's going to come back and say, ah, we're not going to index your site. Goodbye. Yeah. You know, it, it's just if if your service or your product isn't good enough and if you have to do something that's cheating in order to sell it, um, go into another line of work. Right. Because how do you fight Google? Well, well not only that, you, Google, not only, too, you can't fight Google, but 
but if you come up with a reputation that you've been cheating or scamming someone to do this or that, how are they going to trust you with something else? If this band, if they've been scamming Spotify, let's say they want to put something on iTunes to use on iTunes radio, are they going to, you know, if they've developed a reputation, they might just find themselves unintentionally blacklisted. That's sure going to help you become a successful band, right? Yeah. Oh. And, you know, if if you're if you're Coldplay and you want to do something like this, um, you might do it as a joke or whatever. But if you're an unknown band trying to get known, it's not the way you're going to get known. It's the wrong way you're going to get known. We understand being outrageous, but scamming is the wrong kind of yeah. outrageous. It's going to come back to bite you. Kirk McElhern, yeah. please tell our listeners more about the stuff you do. You can find me on my website, Kirkville. It's at www.mackelhern.com. That's M-C-E-L-H-E-A-R-N.com. And you can find me over at Macworld, where I'm the iTunes guy and where I write about all sorts of different things. And being the iTunes guy, if you have a question about iTunes and you have problems with it, which many people do, he'll help you solve it. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on The Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me again, Gene. We are the premier independent talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. G-C-N. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Hi, this is Steve Sanchez, and based on a recent study, it was found that 57 million Americans had legal issues over the last 12 months, but only 60% of those studied sought out the services of a lawyer. Why? In a nutshell, affordability. While well, my friends at Legal Shield have created a solution that can help you not if, but when you need an attorney. For as little as $17 per month, Legal Shield will provide you unlimited access to qualified attorneys at an accomplished law firm for advice and counsel on legal issues no matter how serious or trivial. For over 40 years and with 1.4 million families across North America, Legal Shield can help you, the loyal GCN listener. Representatives are standing by now to answer your questions, so call them now at 1-855-340-SAVE. That's 1-855-340-7283 or visit them at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Results will vary from case to case. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. 
But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products, most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Question. Could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM-1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terragonics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Life's getting better. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We welcome to the Tech Night Owl live this week Jeff Carlson. He's a senior editor for Tidbits at tidbits.com. Of course, he works with Adam and Tanya Inks. Now, just as a backstory, I first asked Jeff to come on the show three or four years ago, and you were busy that week or something. Oh, yes. And for some reason, it's not your fault. See, everything <laughs> is my fault. I never wrote back to you for a follow-up. So I decided to make up for it. Fantastic. So here you are. Welcome aboard. Thank you. I appreciate the invitation. Now, I understand here there have been, since Steve Jobs died, a lot of stuff written about Apple. Now, Apple, of course, is not the company that opens up very much to the media. When they do grand interviews, it's for short puff pieces. They give out a few little tidbits, and they hope you'll quote them, and they don't give you anything more. I guess the biggest exception to that was the authorized biography by Walter Isaacson of Steve Jobs. But Steve Jobs, I guess, considered that part of his legacy. Otherwise, he wouldn't have opened up if he didn't realize he didn't have too much long on this planet. Is that your take, Jeff? Yeah, I think so. He was very interested in being realistic about it, was my impression. So um, I think that's, I want to say notable and honorable. I, I know some people had troubles with the book, but, um, you know, like like the intent was there to sort of show Jobs as as he was, maybe, you know, filtered through jobs, but the intent of the piece was, you know, like, here's 
the man and here is 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 his legacy um, compared to some other things that I'm sure we'll get to. <laughs> a lot of it being jobs according to jobs. This is what he wanted people to know about him. This is what he wanted to reveal. Yeah, I think so. Other than writing his own book, which he wasn't the kind of person who would have been inclined to do it, I suppose if he felt he'd live longer, he could have taken that approach. So, of course, we're seeing Apple in the eyes of Steve Jobs. And we know Steve Jobs had a history of exaggerating things for his own benefit, didn't he? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think perhaps Steve Jobs might have had a little bit of an ego, just maybe. (laughs) And that colored what he said. Now, I know one of the off-quoted statements is how he cracked the secret of delivering this greatest TV interface ever. Mm -hmm. And I suspect TV makers were so spooked, that's why they rushed out their smart TVs even faster than normal, expecting Apple would come out with something. And guess what's happened? Apple has come out with nothing. (laughs) And I look at it two ways. Number one, Jobs was thinking in terms of a set-top box, a refined version of Apple TV. Number two, he said it just to drive them crazy, or a combination <laughs> of both. I, I I wouldn't be surprised at all if it was a little bit of both. Um, my take on that is that, you know, saying that you've cracked something doesn't mean that you have a shipping product. So it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, that was based on, okay, we figured this out. But it might take us six years to get there, you know, and, and all the different pieces need to fall into place and, you know, et cetera. Because as we've been able to tell, you know, Apple doesn't look at things quarter to quarter. They look at things with the long view and, you know, they will, they will uh, put out like tiny technologies in, um, you know, OS ten that will then, you know, work their way into iOS, you know, two years later or something like that. So, um, you know, they, they definitely have a long view. And so it wouldn't surprise me at all if, you know, in, let's say, two years, we see the full flowering of whatever that idea is. And I'm sure, it would, you know, it, it would involve hardware. It would involve software. It would definitely have to involve, um, you know, agreements with studios and things like that. Um, uh, as, as an example, I think the service that that Apple and Disney have come up with so that if you buy um, a movie from iTunes that shows up in uh, this, this Disney movies app or if you buy a, a DVD or a Blu-ray that has a digital copy you get a code and it just you know magically shows up in both places there's no friction to it I think that might be like maybe a you know tentative first step into whatever this vision is. The thing being here that the black helicopters are, by the way, over our building here. You hear oh, good. Them now? I was wondering where they were. Yeah, that's good. one of the black helicopters <laughs> are going to land. Actually, they are believing erroneously we're doing our other radio show, the Powercast, the Power Normal show. So uh-huh. it's one of those things they're not aware that we're doing a technology show. Unless, of course, we're communicating with Steve Jobs from beyond. There you go. Okay, so let's start with that. Now someone's going to have the rumor at the Tech Night Out Live, and it's my fault, not yours, Jeff, is communicating with Steve Jobs in the hereafter or the whatever, wherever he is now. Okay, so maybe it is something 
<laughs> that Apple is working on. Remember also, TV industry is undergoing some other transitions hardware-wise. They've got 4K, mm-hmm. which is starting to come online. They have kind of sort of given up on 3D, but poised on the back burner is a new 3D version that you don't need the glasses for. Ah, And I, you're going to see that in the next year or two. I've not been keeping up with that because I, I have to admit that the 3D at home utterly disinterests me. And I think that's probably the same with a lot of other people, which is why they didn't see very much traction. Well, last year we got a Vizio 3D TV to review. Ah, okay. And I watched one 3D movie. There is no second answer to that. <laughs> that's it, folks. And not that I do not care about 3D, but I think... Right now, for most people, it's a royal pain. It's not necessary. If you can get 3D as part of the package, and you don't need the glasses, which is really the big problem, the glasses, it's fine. Let's go back to Steve Jobs. So Steve Jobs, I think, whatever he knew in 2011 about an Apple TV set, he was happy to spook the competition. It's just like Apple would say sometimes, we're not going to do a product like that. And they do a product like that. And I think famously the Mac Mini. Mm -hmm. Apple said, we're not going to make a cheap Mac at the quarterly conference call in, what, 2004. In 2005, the first Mac Mini comes out, which is the cheap Mac. Yeah, and there are a lot of examples. I mean, you know, he said, like, no one would want video on an iPod. And then uh, pretty soon there was video on an iPod. And I also remember... Um, Steve Jobs, when they introduced the, um, I think it was the, the iMac that was um, the little snowball iMac. Uh, the reason for, for for designing it that way was that you didn't want all of the computer components like sitting sideways on the back of the screen for some reason. And so, because that's of course what everybody else was doing, and Steve Jobs was like, that doesn't make any sense. And twelve months later, you have the iMac that that you know has been um the sort of standard design for years and years so steve was definitely good about about uh you know denigrating ideas until they were useful to him did the same thing with mobile phones Mm -hmm. as you remember same difference he'd say this is horrible these cell phones are horrible they really are miserable and in the meantime we now know that the iPhone was being developed, and Apple and Jonathan Ivey, who we'll talk about more in a couple of moments, they were busy figuring out solutions to those problems. Now, there is another book about Apple, and that book is called Haunted Empire, Apple After Steve Jobs. is written by a former reporter for the Wall Street Journal called Yukari... Iwatani Kane. My Japanese is not very good. So she is going to curse me now for doing that. Okay, you can get the sense of the book from the title. We'll get into more of that in a moment. We have Jeff Carlson. He's a senior editor for Titbits. More to come on the Tech Night Out Live. largest independently owned communications network, GCN. 
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. I will never forget the day my son Jeremy told me he hated me and slammed the door in my face. I'm behavioral therapist Janet Lehman. Behavior problems can turn the child you love and your life into a nightmare. That's why my husband James and I created the Total Transformation, the step-by-step program that shows you how to fix the worst behavior problems and get your child to respect and listen to you again. No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the total transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free. Limited number of free programs available. Call now. 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. That's 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. Great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy bodies products from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey water filters for the love of clean water. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months. 
simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. Jeff Carlson joins us. He's from Tidbits. First time on the Tech Night Isle live. It will not be his last unless he decides after this that he's never going to do it again. All right. Now, a book that says Haunted Empire. You have to think that book isn't going to be very kind towards Apple. No, I don't think so. I, I have to give them immense credit because that is a great title. Like just standing on its own, it telegraphs what the book's going to be about. But, you know, like it has that sort of intrigue. It has that, you know, Apple is huge. It's this empire, but like what's left. It's, it's a fantastic title. Um, unfortunately, from what I understand, that's the best part of it is, is the title. <laughs> Now, a lot of our friends have reviewed this book. You haven't read it yet. You've read the reviews, and I gather the reviews are a little, shall we say, less than favorable. That's what I understand, too, yeah. What's their biggest criticism, that this author is just making it all up? I think it's the biggest criticism is that I think the title must have come first because everything seems to be written in service of that idea that now that Steve Jobs is gone, Apple is just going to founder. There's, there's, there's nothing left at Apple for them to be innovative or successful or, you know, the whole litany of, of, of why Apple is doomed, which is something that we have been with since probably, you know, almost the beginning of Apple because of, of, the absence of Steve Jobs. Um, I mean, from, from what I understand, and um, uh, I definitely encourage listeners to go read. Uh, Jason Snell wrote a review uh, at, at MacWorld, and um, I think Harry McCracken wrote one for Time. Right. Um, like, definitely check those out. Um, but the, the the gist is, like, there is a lot of good information in there. the The author does, you know, tackle some really interesting things and and really shows that history of being a, a, you know, Wall Street Journal beat reporter. But when it comes to drawing conclusions, everything has to be in service of the idea that, okay, Steve Jobs is gone, Apple is doomed. And that, I think, casts a dark shadow, haha, on all the rest of the material because it seems to be uh, not only an erroneous conclusion, but it's a conclusion that can't even be supported. I think that there are a lot of interesting ideas there. The author of the book wrote an article, I think at the beginning of February, that it wasn't a, it wasn't an excerpt, but it was basically sort of um, talking about Apple's um, uh, PR and how that was sort of an example of, of Apple's problem. Well, the sense I want to get here is, all right, we understand this, that it looks like a book designed to fit a title and to take a particular slant. Yes. But in what way is the information being slanted to create the impression that Apple is doomed? I think a lot of the the 
conclusions that, that the author comes to um, are very much, ah, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that, that from what I understand, I think the examples that are given are, are very much sort of your, your popular media um, conceits about Apple. And I know that that's kind of an unfair shorthand, but if you look at a lot of the, the uh, sort of mainstream writing about Apple, and often a lot of that is done by people who aren't as familiar with Apple, they just, uh, you know, they're on the business beat or whatever. And so they rely on crutches like market share. And because Apple does not have a dominant market share, say, compared to Android or compared to Windows or compared to IBM, however far you want to go back, that means that Apple is doomed. So that's part of it. Part of it is is sort of hitting those crutches that say, okay, Apple has been really lucky many times, and they can't quite get over the fact that that you know, being lucky consistently is actually not luck, but that, you know, the, the massive success of Apple must be some sort of aberration, must be some sort of fluke. And so, at any point, you know, the Android's going to take over and Apple is just going to be doomed. That's, that's sort of a, a standard storyline that gets repeated in the media, and I think because it's been repeated so much that it's it's just acknowledged. Um, and so I think in in the case of this book, this haunted apple book, it's it's compounded by the fact that you know people associate Apple with Steve Jobs. and rightly so, uh, you know Steve was was very you know charismatic. he was he was a leader. he um, was a visionary, like all of those things. but they, then just sort of make that jump to say, oh, well, if Steve Jobs isn't there anymore, then, of course, nothing is happening. And the truth, of course, is that, you know, Steve Jobs was a micromanager, was involved in lots of different things, was visionary, but it took a lot of people to make that happen. It took a lot of people to, you know, even say, you know, Steve, this isn't going to work, or, um, you know, we can't do this in the timeline that we're, that we're thinking of. Um, for example, the, the iPhone. Um, I, I think the iPhone, in a way, is, is a great sort of um, accidental success because Apple spent a lot of time working on the iPad first. They were trying to figure out um, tablet computing, and they weren't satisfied with what um, Microsoft and others had come up with. And so it was basically just in the labs. And... When they came up with the 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 um, touchscreen interface and the technology to do that and to do that in a smaller form factor, they went from the idea of oh, instead of turning this into a tablet, maybe the first thing we should do is turn it into a phone. So you know, like that sort of incremental um, push that it's. It wasn't just Steve Jobs standing on high saying, we will now do an iPhone and we will now make this come into being, which I think a lot of analysts and a lot of um, reporters who don't know the company as well fall back on. And I think that seems to be the case, even with, with someone who has covered Apple quite a lot, 
in the case of this book, um, you know, you can find examples that sort of say what you want to say if you already have an agenda. I think that's the case here. One of the things they keep failing to understand is that on occasion, Steve Jobs didn't originate the idea. More than one occasion, someone came to him and sold him on the idea. He had to be sold. You know, you walk up to him and say, hey, I got an idea for an iPod. Oh, that's a lot of nonsense. That's ridiculous. Who wants that? Mm-hmm. And then you say, wait a minute, Mr. Jobs, this is why. And he says, well, it's still, eh, don't want to do it. And then you had to convince him. You, you had to shout him down if necessary. But he was the kind of guy that when you wanted to get your idea across, you had to fight with him sometimes to mm-hmm. get him to look at what you had to say. But once oh. he agreed to do that, he'd go all the way. Oh, yeah. Um, in in uh, Leander Connie's book um, about Jonathan Ive, he tells stories of um, you know not only people sort of bringing ideas to Steve Jobs, um, in, including Ive, but also you know the fact that sometimes you had to trick Steve Jobs into picking the thing that you wanted. So they would bring him you know some some um, uh, you know models or some some prototypes that were just really, really bad, and they knew that they would be bad, and then they'd have, like, the one or two that they wanted to pursue, and, you know, like, to sort of nudge Steve into that direction, and that, that totally worked, and I'm, I'm sure it didn't always work, but it, it definitely worked, worked a few times, um, but also, and this is the sort of um, Steve Jobs characteristic, there, I think there were also many times when Steve Jobs liked the idea, and then took ownership of the idea to the extent that he would then tell people that it was his idea. So, you know, that's, that's the sort of megalomania that, that also happened. But again, it wasn't just him powering Apple by his force of will. Um, I think that there are definitely aspects of, of Jobs' tenure at Apple that were definitely force of will when he came back and, and, and restructured everything. But, you know, Apple is a a big company doing big things on a grand scale, and there's no way that he could just be responsible for it all and for it to all fade away after he's gone. We have Jeff Carlson joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Does advertising on the Genesis Communications radio network actually bring positive results? Let's ask Thomas Baldrick from Freeze Dry Guy. And do the GCN listeners let you know they heard your ad? Customers do let us know they've heard Freeze Dry Guy ads on GCN. Uh, They seem to be very loyal listeners to GCN, and they stay with those shows, and subsequently they stay with our business, too. Looking for positive results? Contact Lee Wickenhauser at 877-996-4327, extension 107. 
We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. It's no secret that silver is one of the oldest known natural antibiotics, but the mainstream media will never tell we the people this information. Why? Many drug companies and politicians have dangerous alliances that manipulate the way we live by prescribing drugs that only manage disease, keeping us dependent on big pharma. And with Obamacare at our doorstep, we are now forced into a system that many of us do not want any part of. And no man or government has the right to dictate how we as free people choose to take care of our health. The patriots at utopiasilver.com hold this truth dear. Colloidal and ionic silver supplements from utopiasilver.com open the door to a whole new world of natural healing for the body and the mind. Visit utopiasilver.com and discover the safe and effective health benefits of colloidal and ionic silver. Call 888-213-4338. 888-213-4338. And talk to the patriots at utopiasilver.com, a leading source of natural healing using colloidal silver, colloidal gold, minerals, vitamins, and herbs. utopiasilver.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Here on the Tech Night Owl Live, we're no longer being buzzed by black helicopters. Jeff Carlson is here. I don't think he had anything to do with it, but there you go. We were, talking, you know. <laughs> we were talking here about, I guess, media perceptions about Apple and the mistakes they made and focusing on a specific book by a former Wall Street Journal reporter called Haunted Empire, Apple After Steve Jobs. And you understand from the title where it went that Apple now is in serious trouble because Jobs isn't there to make it right. They also seem to think, Jeff, that Apple comes out with this trend-setting, industry-busting invention every week. So you had the iPod in 2001, the iPhone in 2007, the iPad in 2010. You also, in 2000, have the Power Mac G4 Cube, which was discontinued the following year because it was overpriced, underpowered, and people weren't buying it. Mm -hmm. So how do you say you have to (laughs) recognize a couple of differences there that not everything apple does is perfect or succeeds for the long haul well we all have short memories don't we i mean um especially people who who again don't follow apple as closely because of course you think of of apple introducing the iphone and and realizing like here was something that was different that was taking a different approach that had the potential to do really well and if you remember when the iphone came out um apple was I almost hate to use this word because it almost doesn't fit with Apple and Steve Jobs, but Apple was almost humble about it because Jobs said something like, like if we can just get 1% of the smartphone market or, or the, the, the cell phone market, like that would be a big success. And you and know what? People forget that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I like, remember him saying that, yes. Apple 
didn't invent the iPhone so that they could go and be like the king of all phones around the world. They wanted to get into a new market that where they thought they had a good shot at making profits, at, at doing innovative things. And I think the, the overwhelming success of, of the iPhone actually came as a surprise to Apple. Maybe a, a slow surprise. And I'm sure that there were some, some people, probably Tim Cook, who probably knew that, that it wasn't going to be a surprise just because Tim Cook is, is, is good about you know, numbers and process and, and making things happen. But that was, was something that Apple didn't set out to conquer a market. They didn't set out to you know, drive everyone out of business. And from the other side of things, from you know, being an observer, people see, wow, Apple released this thing and it changed everything. And yes, it did. And so you remember that. And then you remember like the MacBook Air. Wow, they made a laptop that was so thin. That's great. And, and you remember the iPod, which completely shook up uh, you know, the, the music playing market and then the iTunes store, which totally disrupted the, the music market in general. And so you remember those things and you're like, all right, like Apple is capable of you know, hitting these big home runs. Like, I'm here. I want to see the next home run. And you forget about all of the, the, the incremental bits that, that are strung between that enabled those other things to happen. Remember you know? also the iPod was an expensive toy for the Mac. Oh, yes. Then they had iTunes. Then they had a Windows version of the iPod, which is what really made it succeed. Mm -hmm. As soon as it became cross-platform, iTunes for Mac and Windows and the iPod and developing that ecosystem, that's what made it work. The first iPhone had no apps, except, Mm -hmm. you know, they wanted to have web apps and Apple's apps. The App Store didn't come out to the following year. And I wonder how enthusiastic they were of the app store at the beginning i don't know i mean my my guess is they probably knew that they needed an app store but all all the pieces weren't in place and that's just my my own speculation um but it was definitely something that they tiptoed into even when they had people clamoring saying you know wow this this iphone is great and it runs on um os 10 at the core, and you know that's something I can program for. I, th- I think there was there was a lot of interest in that, um, but they didn't slap something together and 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 just ship it early. They said, okay, like you know, we, we will do this when we think it's right. You look at the iPad. The iPad, I think, has been far more successful than I expected that it would be, and the iPad would not have happened at all if the iPhone hadn't come before and. You know, really pioneered a lot of the, the the interaction of okay, here's how you you work with a a phone shaped thing with a touch screen, because of course you know doing a phone that was just a touch screen was insane in 2007. Like, where's the keyboard? No one no one would buy that, and so the work on that then made them think okay, if we're going to do this tablet, which we had in mind in the first place. Like, how are we going to do it so that we do it right? And so, again, it's, it's, it's all that, that incrementalism that people, especially analysts, who you know, are, are trying to figure out what Apple's going to do in the next three months or the next six months so that they can hit their numbers and make predictions and sell their reports and you know, whatever. They just ignore all that because they want to see the big home run. 
And forgive me for making a baseball analogy because I don't follow sports, but you know, when you go to see a baseball game, it would be great to see a lot of home runs. You usually don't, but it's still a good game. Exactly. Sometimes there are only a couple of runs mm-hmm. in, the, in the entire game. Anyway, I haven't followed baseball in years. Okay, <laughs> so let's look at the book Haunted Empire, and we understand the reviews were tepid. Mm-hmm. Now, Apple has not traditionally responded to books. In this case, they did. So I'm going to read the statement from Tim Cook. This nonsense belongs with some of the other books I've read about Apple. It fails to capture Apple, Steve, or anyone else in the company. Apple has over 85,000 employees that come to work each day to do their best work, to create the world's best products, to put their mark in the universe, and leave it better than they found it. This has been the heart of Apple from day one, and will remain at the heart for decades to come. I'm very confident about our future. Now, that's the kind of statement that's been distilled through corporate PR, obviously. Oh, yeah, definitely. Homogenized, and, pasteurized. <laughs> With just a hint of inspiration, too. I mean, it's, it's well written. I, I don't imagine that Tim just said, all right, dictate this. I want this verbatim and send it out. But what's interesting, I think, and, and I'm sure you'd agree with me, is, is it's interesting that they, they released anything at all. Because, I mean, even with like big security updates and, or, or um, you know, security issues, in the past, Apple has been very quiet for a couple of days after or a week after when people are like, like, if Apple doesn't address this, then blah, 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 blah. And so it's really Apple's um, sort of standard mode to just not respond to stuff like this. But it's curious that they did. And I have no real idea what led them to do this other than, you know, perhaps they feel that it would have gotten bigger if they had not tried to squelch it, which is kind of the, like the opposite. I mean, you know, when I first saw that, uh, I I thought two things. I was like, first of all, okay, they just increased the sales of this book because people are going to want to know about it because it's, you know, like, boom, it's, it's generated controversy. Um, (laughs) And the other thing I would imagine, like the, the, the editors um, at at whoever published it, they were probably ecstatic because there's that line in there where Tim Cook says, you know, other books that I've read, they're like, oh, Tim Cook reads crappy books about Apple. Well, we got to get that out there too. Now there's another quote and it comes from Eddie Q. Okay. Uh And Eddie Q is mentioned in this book. Mm hmm. Some kind of early story about how he he was plucked from the IT department to become close to Apple, to close to Steve Jobs. And someone from 9to5Mac emailed Eddie Q and said, is it true? And Eddie Q says, no, it's not. Yeah. Before we go on, I'm going to do the break. (laughs) That is true. Jeff Carlson joining us. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. 
But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Curious about what comes next? Next is the feeling of vulnerability you get after you arrive home to discover your house has been ransacked by burglars. Fool the bad guys with a new improved fake TV. You asked for it, we listened, and we made our new fake TV three times brighter than our previous model. The brightness of our new fake TV is equivalent to a 40-inch TV. It simulates the color and motion of a real TV while you're away from home. And when burglars think someone is home watching television, they're likely to pass your house and move on to an easier target. The new, brighter Fake TV is only $39.95 and includes free shipping. Go to faketv.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. That's 877-532-5388 or go to faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. 
If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We have Jeff Carlson from Tidbits, where he's senior editor, and we're talking about books about Apple. So, for example, we have Haunted Empire, Apple after Steve Jobs, from a former Wall Street Journal reporter. And what's happening so far, Eddie Q, Eddie Q and Tim Hook have brought that book into question. It's accuracy. So? so yeah, I, I think, well, b- both statements seem seem very different to me. I think the one from Eddie Q where it, it, it's, um, someone asked him, I think if if Tim Cook had like thrown a pen at his face or something like that, um, I think even if it did happen, I would totally expect Eddie Q to say no, it didn't. Because if he said, "Oh yeah, that happened. That was funny," that could just open up a whole can of worms. So you know, of course he's going to d- deny something that's really kind of trivial. Honestly, I have no sense of, of what Tim Cook is like in in a, a business setting or a personal setting. Maybe he throws pens at people. Um, well, I kind of believe Steve Jobs throws pens at people. You know why? I'll tell you why. He threw chairs, didn't he? <laughs> well, I've seen him throw something. For example, there was some item that he was demonstrating, a camera or something, and the thing didn't work. It was supposed to be working with an Apple product, and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. This was at Macworld Expo in New York, but they still had Macworld Expos in New York. And Jobs looked at it and tossed it to some engineer in the front row, mm-hmm. which is fix it. So, yeah, I can see him throwing things at people. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, I believe 100% that <laughs> when Jobs did it, which is what the passage is about, by the way, when Jobs throws something at somebody, oh, yeah. Okay. When Jobs throws something at somebody, I expect it'll happen. With Tim Cook, he doesn't throw anything but silence, dead silence. That's his technique. So it's not as outrageous, but it accomplishes the same purpose. So if you ask Tim Cook or explain you're doing something to Tim Cook and he says nothing for about 30 seconds, you are in trouble. I still love the the anecdote um, about... There was something, some sort of manufacturing problem in China, and he he brought this up in a meeting, saying we need to deal with this right away. And they started talking, and uh, he turns to to like the the senior engineer in charge, and he says he says why are you still here? And the guy gets up from the desk, drives to the airport, doesn't get a change of clothes or anything, gets on a plane, flies to China, like like that's Tim Cook, that's and, authority. Yeah, you like, see, with Steve Jobs, you could argue with him. You know, if he throws a pen at you, you throw it back, okay? I mean, that's the kind of person I gather he was. He wanted you to argue with him. You know, he enjoyed that. He liked that give and take. Tim Cook, if he wants to tell you what to do, you better do it. And if you're not doing it right, he'll let you know by not letting you know. Yeah, that's my that's my impression, too, which just sort of brings the question of, of, of why they released a statement, given that... You know, you would think that that, that that the silence would be better. Or, you know, it, it could just be maybe they, um, you know, found this to be more of a personal attack and, and responded to it. I, I wish I knew. <laughs> I agree. In any case, okay, so we have these comments about that book. And anyone who's followed Apple, if they're coming up with this nonsense that Apple died – 
when Steve Jobs died, already the book is going to look bad. But there will be people who will look at that thing and say, right, it fits in with our belief in what's happening with Apple. Mm -hmm. And and what's what's sort of infuriating about it is that a lot of the conclusions seem to be drawn based on the idea that Apple is failing. And so you have like absurd things get in into either the book or the press about it that's like, you know, well, um, Apple stock price has, has, has lagged or it's, it's, you know, not as robust as it was when Steve Jobs was alive or, you know, like there's no innovation, blah, blah, blah. And you do a Google search and you realize that, no, actually the stock is much higher now than, than it was. You know, yes, Apple stock climbed to some, you know, Outrageous, like somewhere in the 700s, I think. Well, the long and short of it is that obviously book authors are entitled to their opinions. And since we weren't there at Apple, we can't assume that everything said in that book is false. It may be a mixture, as things often are, where the author deliberately or accidentally failed to understand key things about Apple and obviously will never correct what was written in that book because how many people who write books ever admit to serious errors? True. And I think that having, I think also um, omission comes into that. Uh, for, for, again, from what I understand, not, not having not read the book, um, that some things are, are held up as examples of, well, here's, here's why Apple is failing. And then another thing um, is also held up as, well, here was something that Apple did right, and you realize that, that those are directly contradicting each other. I think that there's an example of um, when, when people were buying more iPhone 4S models because they were the cheaper model instead of the iPhone 5, that was clearly a sign that Apple couldn't innovate anymore and they couldn't uh, you know, sell new products, etc., etc. But then uh, when the 5S came out and people were buying that instead of the 5C, that, again, is, is you know, uh, pointing that, that Apple can't sell to the low-end market or something. It's, it's when, when every argument ends up in, well, this is an example of, of why Apple is failing, that tells you that... The, the conclusion came first, and they're trying to just massage anything in order to, to, to fit that conclusion. Um, I mean, I think the, one of the problems is that I think Apple does have some issues. I've, I have heard stories of, of you know, long-term engineers who are dissatisfied or who have quit because, you know, like it's not the same Apple or there's not as much focus on, you know, um, some older projects, things like that. Um, I think, and I'm not the first one to say this, but, you know, one of Apple's big problems is, you know, holding on to good people because, you know, there are all sorts of opportunities out there for somebody who may be a, you know, um, a very good engineer at Apple who could be a senior engineer at some startup or, you know, a vice president or something like that. So, like, I think that, that, that there, there are definitely issues, there's definitely some meat there, but from what I understand, 
that's not really pursued in this book. The book is, you know, Steve Jobs is gone, Apple is doomed, just kind of ignore a lot of the hard evidence that points to the fact that Apple is still successful and doing very well and has released, you know, really good products, has a roadmap, all that. That, of course, is interrupting and annoying this guy with facts. Don't annoy me with facts, some people say. Jeff yeah, sure. Carlson joining Gene Steinberg. This is the Tech Night Out Live. Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for under $30,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet under $30,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for 129000 You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Take delivery in spring. 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. Yeah? Did you want to see me, sir? Well, I did, but now that I do, I'm not so sure. Sir? Johnson, I got a mission for you that could change your life. Oh, good, sir. It involves traveling halfway around the world without so much as half a clue of where you're going or what you're going to do when you get there. Situation normal, sir? Uh-huh. Well, I'll be leading this mission, Johnson, so I'll be telling you what to do. You, sir? That's right, Johnson, and I say first things first. Oh, good plan, sir. Yeah, and what I say is first is food. Always remember that, Johnson. Food is a big deal. Sir, my brother-in-law can give us a really good deal on some surplus MREs. Johnson, if you've got half a brain and that empty head of yours, you'll call the freeze-dry guy like I did. That food is better for you, it rehydrates faster, and it's good, Johnson. And it keeps for up to 30 years. Will we be gone that long, sir? I hope not. Now get your supplies organized and meet me down at the pier at dawn on Sunday. We sail at sunrise. Yes, sir. This adventure is brought to you by the freeze-dry guy. Call 866-404-3663 or visit freeze-dryguy.com.
There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. Here on the Tech Night Isle Live, we were focusing here on writers who have it in to Apple, want to dis Apple, regardless of the facts, even when there are areas, valid areas, where Apple can be dissed. But let's talk about another particular story, and that is this interview that's been widely quoted, and it's published in Britain, but also included in Time magazine with Sir Jonathan Ive. Now, interesting about the Time magazine piece, don't know if you noticed this, I like to print articles so I could read them later on. Mm -hmm. And they've got it formatted a Time magazine that you can't print it. Oh, well, that's rude. (laughs) (laughs) That's so rude of them. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) tell us more. So this this article came out, um, and it, it's called uh, Jonathan Ive Designs Tomorrow. And um, the subhead here is Apple's design chief helped transform computing, phones, and music. Um, uh, he's never given an, in, an in-depth interview until now. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, this looks great, because I'm a huge fan of what Ive has done at Apple. He is you know, probably you know, one of the world's preeminent uh, industrial designers, and um, you know, not only for like the way things look, but like the way things are made and 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 all the process behind it. Um, I read uh, Leander Connie's book about Ive and and found it, it to be very good, despite the fact that that uh, Connie was not able to actually talk to Ive, even though a book was being written about one of Apple senior VPs. It was it was not a a you know a, a hit piece type of book. It was definitely like like here's this this guy who has done great things. I want to talk about that. So you know I don't think anybody could have made the argument that that it was going to be a negative book. And Apple still was like eh, no 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 he he will not talk to you. So he he had to write this book you know based on all sorts of other interviews and um, without having that that primary source. And that was a good book. And so. Now, with this this article that appeared in Time um, and, and and the Sunday Times in the UK, like this is a sit down interview with Jonathan Ive that isn't about you know the latest product that Apple has come out with. I mean, I think 
Ive has probably done like shorter interviews to say, you know, well, here's the 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 iPhone and here's some things about it. But um, you know, one thing that informs all of what we've been talking about here is you have to realize Apple is a very uh, specific, deliberate company when it comes to its message and 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 who gets access and and what can be said. So to see this article that was like a an in depth interview with Jonathan Ive that looked exciting. And I sense that, another shoe. <laughs> there is another shoe, <laughs> a very heavy shoe, because uh, it, it turned out to be a very uh, disappointing article, mostly because. I think the, the the author, John Arledge, as we ha- have been talking about, I think he is someone who has not followed Apple very closely. And so, a lot of things that are sort of common wisdom in tech reporting, well, sorry, in, in mainstream tech reporting, find their way in here. And so, you have this, th- this interview with Ive, and... He still manages to put in, uh, you know, shots about, you know, can can Apple design its way out of the hole that it's been put in, and it was just very, it's it, it very frustrating because although a lot of the article contains a lot of good stuff from Ive, Ive um, does uh, gives some very interesting quotes, talks about you know the the process and the 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 reason Apple does what it does and 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 how it comes up with its designs like like those sort of meaty parts were were interesting but then you go to a thing that says well you know with all of that said let's talk about the iWatch because of course everybody wants to talk about the iWatch if it even exists wearable computing blah 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 and you know is this sort of apple's last gasp for survival and you're like really you have the opportunity to talk to a person that does not talk to the press, and you're going to sort of throw this this ill-informed garbage in. Um, and I don't know. I don't want to sound like I'm I'm being overly antistic to to the author, um, although I, I I guess I am by default. I don't know his other work. I don't know you know h- how much he's covered uh, Apple or not. It was just very clear. As someone who has covered Apple for a long time, there were a lot of things in here that were either um, lazy or inaccurate, and it, it just seemed like a, a, a wasted opportunity. As if he had the chance, but he didn't know how to follow it through. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think part of it is the desire to, to write something about technology that appeals to people who you know, don't follow the, te- the technology press. I, I think that was definitely a factor in this. And, and, and I think that that's important because, you know, if you are someone who probably owns an iPhone, but you don't need to know how it was manufactured, you don't need to know the history of, of its design, you really just sort of care that it makes phone calls and it lets you play games and, and, and you know, whatever. And so, I understand that. I, I understand the sort of old maxim that that you need to write to an eighth grade level to make sure everybody understands. Like, okay, like take that and sort of set it aside. But still, he could have come up with a better article that that not only sort of glossed over important things, but got you know fundamental things wrong that you don't have to have followed Apple for twenty years. 
to know. I hope that makes sense. Because well, you think it's something like research. Research, yeah. Yes, when you interview somebody, (laughs) who's Jonathan Ive, okay? Let me look at his background. Let me look at his history with Apple. Let me look at a few stories. Let me look at two sides of the story. Let me spend time doing research. It may have been, of course, that he was rushed at the last minute to do this story, wrote the story, and didn't spend time figuring out what he shouldn't have had to figure out in the first place. You should do your research before you do an interview. You want to know at least basically what subjects are going to be covered. You know it's a secretive company. You want to be able to prepare yourself for questions and follow-ups and things like that. Yeah, and and like I think there's still definitely – a measure of this, I I, I, I suspect that, that that he probably used um, Connie's book as as a resource um, for a lot of the the, the historical details of um, you know I've uh, working in in London and and going to a, a small company called Tangerine and you know th- things like that like like getting the the the, um, the fundamentals of of the history, but um, like. One thing that, that 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 set me off. So so I wrote an article on my blog, sort of cutting this this piece down, and it it was something that I I started reading this article, and I was I was getting frustrated, and I was like, all right, you know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna write a 10 minute rant and just kind of get this out of my system and post it, and then I can move on to something else. Um, and of course, the 10 minute rant went on for probably. An hour, um, and because I, I I kept finding finding things in the article that that, that were frustrating, um, and th- like like one example is um, uh, he's he's talking to Ive, like like why why does Apple strive to to make things so good like like why not you know um, why not do something that, that, that may not be the absolute best in class, but it's cheaper to manufacture or, or, or whatever. And um, Ives' response is that, you know, um, we do this because we think people care about the products they use. They I wonder here in passing, we'll do yeah. a break in a second, if I was thinking, what? What is he <laughs> asking me this for? I mean, if he asked Steve Jobs that kind of question, Jobs would have thrown him out of the room. We've got more to come with Jeff Carlson. I'm Gene (laughs) Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Great minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two. A2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 
365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Most of our customers are absolutely phenomenally impressed with the product. That's Tony, the co-founder of Heart and Body Extract, the 100% all-natural with no negative side effects supplement that supports a strong and healthy heart, strength and stamina, sharp memory, restful sleep, clean, clear arteries, and good circulation. And listen to this. In over 13 years of business, there has been no price increase for Heart and Body Extract. Learn more at hbextract.com. That's hbextract.com. I'm David Cordeni, President and CEO of Cigna. We're proud to support the March of Dimes by walking in the March for Babies. It feels great to know that the money we raise funds life-saving research and programs that improve the health of babies. With your help, we can make this year better than ever. Join Cigna and our coworkers across the country in March for Babies to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthier babies. Start your team today at marchforbabies.org and march to help our babies. Thank you. Great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy Byproducts from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey water filters for the love of clean water. I had tried everything. I'd cut back the amount of food I was eating. I was lifting weights and jogging, but nothing was working. My body was literally starving for minerals and trace elements as well as key vitamins. And as soon as I had that, I immediately could eat half of what I was eating previously and be satisfied. Now, there are hundreds of great products at InfoWarsTeam.com, but I want to point out the three that have helped me lose 37 pounds in just two months. Products like Beyond Tangy Tangerine, Pollen Burst, and Rebound. When I started taking the Tangy Tangerine and other products every day, I lost more than 37 pounds in just two months. Now that's results. I want to challenge my listeners to go to InfoWarsTeam.com and to order just three of their products, and you will see the changes in the way you look, feel, and in your appetite almost immediately. Start your journey to health and wellness today. InfoWarsTeam.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Okay, we've got Jeff Carlson for one more segment of the Tech Night Owl Live. And we're talking about this piece he wrote in response to the Sunday Times and Time Magazine's story about... Jonathan Ive, that the guy who wrote that story was, number one, either not too smart or went in with an agenda. And I was suggesting in the previous segment, if Steve Jobs were at the other end of that interview, 
it would have worked out rather differently because Jobs would not have put up with it. But Ive is a gentleman. I think it would have been a very, a very short interview with Jobs. About five seconds. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so the example that that comes to mind first is, you know, um, Ive is describing, you know, why Apple designs things the way it does, why he 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 puts so much effort into it, and his answer is that that people, um, that, like people really respect that. People really care um, that that it's not something that, that, that just looks good. It's something that works good and all of that. And the author of this article, um, he, he comes back and he says, he says, perhaps, I'll, I'll just quote this right here, perhaps, but critics complain about the built-in obsolescence of Apple products, its hermetically sealed operating systems, the need to buy new chargers for new products and the prices it charges. And I read that and I'm like, oh my God, you have this opportunity to to really talk about do people really respond to things in at this sort of like like gut visceral level that 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 Ive is describing and the thing to come back to that is you know critics complain about built-in obsolescence well the only people complaining about built-in obsolescence are people who don't really know what they're talking about yes apple products can become obsolete over time, but when they're talking about obsolescence, I think they're usually talking about, oh, like, I bought this phone two years ago, and now there's a better phone. So, a lot of people buy the better phone. And not, when you say built-in obsolescence, it's, it's, it's this sort of like, like nefarious code for, okay, Apple, Apple's engineers are like, all right, in one and a half years, we're going to need to juice our sales, so we're going to make sure that we manufacture this in a way that a component breaks, or that you know uh, there's not enough RAM, so it won't be able to handle the operating system, things like that. Which, if you look at the history of things, just is not true. Um, as a quick example, OS X Mavericks. Uh, my wife had an old MacBook Pro, and on. Uh, I can't remember the, the the year of it, but basically it had gotten to the point where it was old enough that it could not run um, the the last version of uh, of OS X before Mavericks, and you know. But I, I think that was still like maybe five or six years of, of of good use from this machine, and it still kept working. Well, um, Mavericks actually they they engineered it so that now that model does work and um if you look at iOS 7.1 that still runs on the iPhone 4 which is now uh what, 3 years old 2010 um, three and a half years old yeah and you know when when iOS 7 came out running it on on an iPhone 4 uh it was pretty stuttery it was pretty laggy and 7.1 from what i understand actually improves it so they you know like like they're not making these things to be thrown away, but of course that's not this author's point. The author's point is that oh my gosh, well Apple is just out to 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 destroy things, and and since I'm talking to the guy who who designs all this, you know, maybe I I need to bring up that Apple is doing this nefarious thing, and I don't even know what a hermetically sealed operating system is. It's it's. <laughs> Now I'm getting worked up. Well, I'll um, tell you what. All he has to do is open <laughs> Terminal 
on OS X and his hermetically sealed operating <laughs> system will open up in ways that are way, way over his head and certainly way above his pay grade. Yeah. So the 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 frustration is is that he sort of trots out this old saw, this old argument that doesn't hold much water in the first place. And actually, to 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 Ives' credit, um, his response is is actually like sensible. Like like Ive knows where he's going with this because he says um, that you know um, Ive himself concedes he's carrying the fifth version of a phone that was only invented in two thousand seven, um, and. Um, he points out that 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 old phones get get reused, they get passed on to other family members, etc. Um, and he says he says I understand what's behind the question, but I think it's a fundamental and good part of the human condition to try to make things better. That's the role we're playing. And I, I mean, I love that I've sort of battled that that lazy comment, that lazy question, because. It, it it just seems like something that that comes up in in mainstream press because you know maybe your cousin's iPhone doesn't work anymore so that must mean that Apple you know builds in obsolescence to its products like like that's that's just a good example that that showed that that this author he he didn't he also had an agenda which is frustrating and his agenda was based on you know things that that can be refuted quickly there's a bit at the end where where you know he he also goes into the 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 whole idea of well apple's not doing very well their 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 stock is down um and uh john gruber on daring fireball he he you know took 5 minutes looked up the stock prices of when jobs died when jobs uh uh, resigned and and now and you know the stock is doing much better. Apple has much more profits. Like like there there's nothing that indicates this sort of you know failing other than the writer says so. And that's what I find frustrating. I find frustrating when when somebody who who doesn't really know the topic well gets an opportunity like this to talk to I've to talk to somebody who doesn't give interviews and just kind of throws it away because they are, are going to cling to some of these ideas that with a very small amount of research, you know, talking, maybe talking to somebody else who knows the, the, the field better could refute. Um, and so the thing that, 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 that I think set me off at the beginning um, is that Arledge, the the author, he he brings up the old you know the the ghost of Steve Jobs, um, and saying that that you know maybe the the ghost of Steve Jobs made it rain that day, um, and I was like oh he's he's not really going to do the the whole like Apple is doomed because Steve Jobs is gone. And then he mentions that an Apple tech head appeared in an all-white meeting room to, uh, to like, find an Earl Grey tea bag. And, like, not everybody that works at Apple is a tech head. This is somebody who, who is, um, you know, a, an admin or an assistant or an employee. And it was just very immediate that... You know, this author 
didn't know what he was talking about and sort of shares that idea that, oh, geez, anybody who use a, uses a computer must be a nerd. You yes, know? you can't use a computer if you're not a nerd. Oh, well. Hey, Jeff Carlson, tell our listeners where they can find more of the stuff you do. Uh, I, I can be found in many places. Uh, tidbits.com, uh, where I've, I've been writing for Tidbits for years. Uh, and jeffcarlson.com is, is where I wrote uh, the piece about this. And it has links to books that I write for Peach Pit Press and Take Control books. And I also write a uh, monthly column for the Seattle Times called Practical Mac. And you can find us on Twitter, where we are known as Tech Night Owl. We're Tech Night Owl on Twitter. You can also check out our other radio show. It's about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. Isn't that a fascinating way to look at it? And we're going to look at the history of the longest surviving publication on the paranormal. It's called Fate Magazine, coming up this weekend on the Paracast at Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. Jeff Carlson, glad to meet you. Thank you for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you. I was thrilled to be here. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.